Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your Legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry. Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much, Pat. I'm I'm falling apart at the seams, Pat. I've been working twelve hour days, <laughs> <laughs> getting ready Jeez. for this goddamn exam. I'm going to be so happy when it's over. It's so close, right? Yeah, it's the day before the one uh, k at gaming, etc. So, oh, okay. I mean, oh, so it's like real close. Yeah, I'm either gonna ace this test or bomb this test. The result is the same. It's gonna result in a O2 uh, drunk bracket at the uh, <laughs> at the one k. Very, that's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make it to that one k. That's it should be. I don't get ever get to play gaming, etc. So, so I gotta try to make it out to that one for sure. Nice. How about you? How you doing? Uh, doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, we had a, uh, like one of the, so one of the companies that owns my company, uh, came out to the field today to do like a walkthrough. And if, so of course it's like one of those things where like some, some, you know, EVP comes out and you spend the whole time like getting everything cleaned up and making sure everyone's not doing something stupid out there. And, and of course they come through like t- talking the trailer for an hour and leave. And you know, all the, all the effort that everyone went through was for basically for nothing. And, I just thought I got away from that when I left the retail space, and apparently that just that just happens no, wherever Pat, you go. You see, Pat, bullshit is just a thing of life. You just kind of have yeah. to deal with bullshit everywhere. Yep. So <laughs> it was just it was just funny. I'm like, oh, I thought we got. It. I got. Thankfully, because I'm a, I'm a I'm a, a lowling and have no real responsibility. None of like the the you know the actual responsibilities like landed on my shoulders to take care of. So it was just I got to watch everyone else do his stupid stuff. But I'm like, man, I'm I'm glad I don't have to do this stuff anymore. And I thought I was away from it, but. I guess I guess there's always going to be some bigwig to walk around. So that shit rolls downhill. That's also true. That's <laughs> also true. Um, all right. Well, we have a couple of announcements before we get into our uh, into the episode here this week. The first thing I wanted to talk about was the next the date of the next LAL Open. We have uh, um, a time frame picked out for the next LAL, LAL Open, which is really exciting. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll have that date nailed down. We'll let you guys know about that probably next episode. Yeah, next episode, we just we have pretty much everything figured out. We just want to, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's before yes, we make the announcement. Exactly. Yeah, we don't want any confusion. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, uh, Jerry, why don't you introduce our guest this week? It's really exciting. Yeah. Welcoming, welcoming him back to the uh, cast. We have the one and only Mr. Joseph Dyer. How's it going, man? Uh, I'm doing all right, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. It's been, I think it's been a couple years since you've been on the cast last. Uh, 2017, I want to say. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So it has been a hot minute. Since then, you've been doing a bunch of stuff. Probably most notably, you picked up the uh, This Week in Legacy uh, article series, which is awesome. Uh, definitely want to talk to you about that. But I guess you want to just kind of give the listeners a little uh, update of what you've been up to the last three years? Uh, yeah. So in the past three years or so, uh, I've kind of done a little bit more with my content production. Uh, I had started originally writing about legacy for, uh, Puka trade. Uh, and then I picked up writing about, uh, stuff for, uh, the state card sphere as well. Uh, and I was writing about, uh, vintage a little bit for them. And I was writing about legacy a bit for them. 
And then somewhere along the line, um, near the middle of 2018. Yeah, man, it's so weird to think it's 2020. Uh, but yeah, it's sort of the middle of 2018, uh, towards the near end of the, the year. Um, I had been looking at uh, some of the articles on MTG Goldfish. Uh, there was a series that used to run on MTG Goldfish called Vintage 101. Uh, and I had noticed that it hadn't updated in a while. And I was like, really curious where this article series went. I was like, man, it's great articles, really, really good stuff. Where did this go? So I sent an email to their contact email and said, Hey, I noticed that you guys haven't had a vintage one one article in a while. Uh, why is that? And they, Richard, uh, the owner of MTG goldfish had come back and said, Hey, uh, the person that was handling that article series, uh, Island Swamp was his handle, uh, Joe Fiorini, uh, had some personal life stuff come up and can't do it anymore. And I thought, do you guys need anybody? <laughs> and Richard said, well, what do you have a portfolio to show me? And I said, yeah, here's all the stuff I wrote about Vintage Super League for Cartsphere. Cause they had sponsored a team on the team Vintage Super League. Yep. And so... He looked it over and said, yeah. He said, I think we could do that. And sure enough, uh, I was hired in to start writing for them, uh, doing a weekly uh, vintage column. And, uh, of course, owing to Joe's you know, contribution to the column, I kept the article column series, the, the name, the same. Because uh, I felt I always, always felt consistency is really important mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Uh, so even if it's somebody new doing it, you know, you know that Vintage 101 is the place where you go to look, read vintage stuff. Um, and so I, I did that for over, a, I've been doing that now for over a year now, uh, doing that article series. Um, throughout last year, uh, there was a lot of up and ups and downs with uh, This Week in Legacy. Uh, Sean Brown, uh, who had traditionally done the series, had moved out of country. Uh, and ha- moved to Japan actually, mm-hmm. and had stopped uh, writing, you know, here or there. Had a couple sparse articles while he was in Japan, but then when he moved back to Australia, it just kind of disappeared. Um, and for a while there, um, Eric Landon took up the series, uh, and did it for about a couple months, and then towards the end of December, uh, the end of December, the end of November, uh, I noticed that there hadn't been a this week in Legacy for a while. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> and talked to Seth and said, hey, uh, where's this week in Legacy? Like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, you know, some stuff happened. And, you know, he, Eric has decided to go on and do his own thing. And we're, I was like, oh, I was like, could I possibly take that over? <laughs> and he was like, I think that would probably be great. And I ran it by Richard and Richard was like, I think that sounds like an excellent idea. That's awesome. And uh, I... I kept it kind of secret for a little bit because uh, I was still waiting on... I had uh, a set of prepaid articles that I had to finish writing for Cardsphere uh, that were legacy, you know, centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted to wait till I got the last one of those out. Had spoken to them. They were cool with everything going on. Uh, as they are. They're great, great guys over there. Uh, their contact manager's excellent. Uh, and... Uh, so I officially announced that I would be taking over the, the article series uh, as of uh, the first of the year and uh, put out my first article actually on the first of the year, I want to say. 
think it was January 1st, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, first or second of the year. And uh, so far I've been uh, settling into a routine of working on both columns Wow, every week. <laughs> so that, that's a lot. So one of the things, first of all, is is thank you for, for doing that because I know This Week in Legacy is such a great recap, especially for even like content creators like ourselves because it's a nice place that kind of um uh what's the, like it just it just it aggregates a, it, it aggregates yes that's the yeah. word i'm looking for aggregates a bunch of data and it's a bunch of information for us that sometimes like slips through uh through our radar and it's so great to have a single place that uh we're able to grab some of that stuff on the weeks where you have that but you also do some like i was some recent articles you've done have been um on like you know what are the some of the basics legacy players need to know so can you tell us like what are your inspirations for when you're doing an article are you looking to like create like start from the ground up and or are you looking to uh just kind of do what's interests you week to week uh for the most part i've been doing what interests me week to week mm-hmm. now uh i do have been working on kind of like a planned uh kind of bit where i'm talking about things like how you play these kinds of decks you know how you play this kind of card uh you know like i said like our first level up lesson that we did was all about layers and about Oko and you know, the card, cause that card's really popular. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, these are not exactly super corner cases that right. are going to come up. These are commonly played things that are going to come up uh, in the format. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to know how those things work. Uh, I think. And also it was really great to get uh, a bunch of feedback from a bunch of the other legacy players out there mm-hmm. on, you know, not just, how to best level up at legacy, but also, you know, just general magic, you know, advice, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, such as, you know, Jarvis, you suggesting, you know, that, you know, you should maybe try playing limited, you know, even as you're a legacy player, just because it will give you a good basis of fundamentals of things like combat math and that sort of thing. Yes. Wait, you're saying close your eyes and hope it works out is not a good strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. No. (laughs) Combat doesn't always start with pay seven, draw seven, Jerry. (laughs) You know, it's it's hard for me because usually I don't even get to the declare attacker step. They just just concede. Jerry Jerry says annihilator six and people scoop up their cards. (laughs) Uh, and, And then also, like, I tend to try and put out there that, you know, try to get people to contact me. You know, to work with them, Mm -hmm. you know, over events that are recurring, that sort of thing, you know, so that I can cover those events to show more of the community side of things. Uh, I'm very community oriented. Uh, Yeah. Guys like, you know, I did the article about Rob Wilson and Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy. Yeah. Uh, You know, I had a fantastic time at that event. He ran a really, really solid event. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and that's something that we need to showcase in, you know, a bigger, you know, medium to say, look, there's guys out there that are doing these, you know, small grassroots community events yep. that are making legacy. Great. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And that's one of the things I, one of the things I really, like, but like I said about the article series is that it's always relevant because you're going week to week with, with interesting stuff, but you don't also don't like just do like a analysis of the deck dump, which can get a little bit tiresome when you see that every single week, you get definitely, like you said, highlight some members of community, which is really great. Um, and co- cover these smaller events and then do some like basics for people getting to legacy, which is awesome. Right. And a lot of my big inspiration for that was actually mostly Sean Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to give him big props. I have to give him a lot of credit. When I first got into legacy, uh, this week in Legacy with Sean Brown was one of the article series that I read, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I I definitely loved him for it because he did kind of the same thing. Yep. He you know he did you know this and that, and he was never 
you know, just recapping what happened. You know, it was always, you know, interesting and, you know, different talking about different things. And so I, that's what I was trying to do with this series is trying to make it a little bit more like that, where you have a little bit more interesting content to look at and read, mm -hmm. not just the, you know, legacy challenge or the deck dumps right. or whatever. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't generally even go that deep into like the deck dumps really, other than to look for like spice stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally I like covering the challenges a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, because the challenges are a little bit more competitive than leagues. Gotcha. Uh, and so you're going to get a better picture of where the metagame is at by looking at the challenge data as opposed to the, uh, league data. So can you talk a little bit about like kind of balancing that, like being, uh, the more spike mentality of going over like the, the challenge data versus like doing something like the Buffalo chicken dip legacy event where, it's that's really more about being about a community event and not so much about you know what's the best deck in legacy right now. Yeah, I mean it's there's a careful balance to it. Obviously, uh, you've got to you know try and make sure that everything is that you're covering the correct stuff mm -hmm. uh, when you're and you're on the right mindset. Generally, what I'm talking about the challenges I'm talking about these are the decks that are at the top of the metagame, and usually that's the case for most of the challenges, especially the ones that are like the big ones like the showcase challenges mm -hmm. and, and PTQs and stuff. Those are, you know, pretty indicative of where the metagame is. Uh, and I like watching metagame data. I like week to week seeing where these challenges fall and what decks do well, uh, just simply because it's interesting to watch that progression yep. of how the metagame continually is adjusting to different things. And so far in 2020, even since the release of Theros Beyond Death, it seems like every other week, every week is different. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, we've seen a ton of shakeups in the format over the, even though over the last, like, yeah, it feels like the last two years, but I think it's probably close to like the last six months or so. There's been just a ton of, a ton of, just a ton of different cards that have affected the format in a major way. So there's just always something to talk about with, with decks coming up and what's best position and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, and then on the other hand, like talking about, you know, stuff like Buffalo chicken dip legacy, you know, it's just great to, to talk about these, you know, community driven events. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of them are reasonably competitive too, and give you a good look at what paper metagames look like. Right, right. Which is, which can be different than online. Yes, which is always so interesting too, how unique uh, and so, like the paper metagames can be. Because you can, going from one, one region to another, you can have a totally different expected metagame when you go to an event. It's, it's pretty great. For sure. Uh, so, so can you tell us like a little bit about the work that goes into the article each week? Like, how much time do you spend sitting down and plugging away at these things? Because it, it's people who who don't create content um, don't realize how, how much of like your personal time can go into a project like that. Lots yeah. <laughs> hours, hours. Yeah, I mean, half a day at least on just one half of an article. Wow. Uh, you know, I'll, what I usually do with my legacy articles is I try to. Uh, kind of generally start later in the week. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually what I'll do is I'll set put together like a framework of the article. Uh, so I'll put down like all the headers for everything that I'm planning on talking about. And then I'll work on each piece kind of compartmentalized. Uh, and, and however I feel like is the appropriate way for me to do that. Uh, and whatever mind space I'm in at the time, like if I'm like, I'd rather just get this like deck focus part done now, I'll spend a good amount of time getting that done. Yep. 
uh, and then I'll go back and work on like my main topic, which usually my main topic takes a couple, you know, days of just poking at it until it's done. Yep. Uh, and then I try to get, usually try to get everything done in the article, except for the challenge stuff before Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on Monday, I'll usually just, Monday is usually the days when I actually work on my vintage article yep. for the most part. I'll work on that because that doesn't take nearly as much time uh, to get through. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on in the format right now. Yep. Uh, and so it's kind of hard to kind of juggle having a lot of information for that format because we haven't had a lot of shakeup with 2020, whereas 2019 was much more eventful mm-hmm. for the format. So I'm able to kind of get my vintage stuff done pretty quickly. And that usually takes until the still it usually takes about a half a day to get done with that even so uh so let's so so obviously like a, a pretty serious like time investment in both of the you know at least in the legacy article but it still takes you time to do the, the vintage article too then yeah oh yeah does that leave you a lot of time uh, to get out and play in your in your area or do you get out to play paper magic very often uh so i play a lot on magic online mm-hmm. uh so uh, it's generally where i play a lot of uh however i do get out occasionally to uh play paper legacy um i don't actually sold out a lot of my paper staples mm-hmm. out of the format uh this past year uh in 2019 in 2018 2019 uh basically i kind of switched my money where my money was going yeah. from paper magic into online magic mm-hmm. uh and i use a rental service and that sort of thing okay uh because it just works really well for me being able to switch between formats being able to switch between decks try things out see what people are playing why they're playing it that sort of thing uh, but I do have a friend who, uh, is very good about allowing me to borrow cards, mm-hmm. uh, as I need to. Uh, and so I, I've been borrowing some stuff from him to go out and get out and play paper legacy. Uh, I actually managed to get out this past weekend, uh, this past Friday night and play paper. Legacy. Oh, nice. And, so, and now is there a, a deck that is a, your favorite or do you play like, what's kind of uh, what, what's the hot thing at the moment? Uh, so I, I've pl- played like everything in the format at this point. <laughs> uh, and sometimes usually I'll show up and I'll borrow a deck from uh, another guy that co- shows up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've played, you know, anything he's lent me from like storm to like stone blade, to, you know, whatever. Yep. Uh, but uh, for this one, uh, especially with the advent of uh, starting to kind of look at even now prepping where I'm going to be at for the uh, 40k in September. Yep. Uh, I kind of just chose a deck and decided to start playing that deck a little bit more seriously and a little bit better. Uh, and so the deck that I ended up playing Friday night was the, uh, bug Zenith Oko, okay. uh, deck, the mid range green sun Zenith, uh, brainstorm force of will deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh. So yeah. So that's an interesting, I haven't actually gotten a chance to play against that in paper. Just I haven't been able to play much paper legacy lately. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the deck and, and kind of where you feel it's at right now? So yeah, um, I, the deck actually just won uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before uh, the challenge. No, no, actually, it was this. No, I'm wrong. <laughs> Sorry, it was the weekend before. 
I'm I'm a I'm a week ahead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this last, not this past weekend, but last week, uh, it won the challenge, the one that never actually ended. Oh right, you know where everybody's still <laughs> waiting for round five oh, to, to com- complete. But uh, no, that deck list won that challenge, uh, and so I took that list as a starting place uh, and started like poking at like my buddy as to what we had access to mm-hmm. to build that. Uh, we ended up like two cards short that I had to actually go purchase. Uh, which was a, a Leovold and a Questing Beast, uh, and <laughs> of all things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we didn't have Carpet of Flowers, we didn't have Trinospheres, and so I got to talking with uh, Min, Min Hawk yep. from uh, Min Max, and I was like, hey, uh, what would you do if you didn't have Carpet of Flowers with this deck list? And he was like, well, maybe I would do this instead, and so we figured it out. And So uh, the deck is kind of like one of those, like, mid-rangey pile decks mm-hmm. uh it's an astrolabe deck it plays you know arkham's astrolabe it plays brainstorm it plays force of will it doesn't play any other cantrips other than your you know brainstorms and your basically your astrolabes as pseudo cantrips yep. uh but it plays a lot of mana acceleration like uh you know green sun zenith for zero for like dryad arbor uh noble higher gilded goose uh those sorts of cards mm-hmm. Because uh, you're basically just trying to commit to the board really quickly, and you want to basically commit to the board on turn one with, with like a one drop that accelerates you into a three drop on turn two. Uh, so either that's going to be like Oko or going to be like Leovold, yep. something like that, yep. uh, that you want to commit to the board pretty quickly. It does play Ice Fang Quaddles. <laughs> uh, it does the the hot card that uh, I got to see a lot of on Friday that I have a much greater opinion now of is uh uro titan of nature's wrath oh yeah the card's absolutely insane (laughs) (laughs) like just i i didn't realize just how much value that card actually accrues through the course of a game Mm -hmm. uh especially uh because there's a singleton caracas in the mana base yep to work with that card it's really absurd uh and then like cards like questing beast uh things like that that are really 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 strong cards so yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. It was a really neat deck to play. I ended up going 301. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like common courtesy at our local events to kind of split your last round mm-hmm. just to go home. It's just <laughs> something, something that happens at local yeah, events. You know, you're like, hey, it's a buddy you're playing against. And you're like, do you want to go home? Do you want to just want to get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> it's split and split credit. Like, and they're like, everybody's like, yeah, sure. Yep. Yep. You know, so, but I did go three, I did win three matches, and I only dropped a single game to Mono Red Prison. Okay. So, and that was just because I was on the draw in game two, and they just, turn one Trenosphere, turn two Ravel Master, yeah. get <laughs> yep. you. That'll, that'll <laughs> happen. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, it, no, it's a fun deck. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, it's got a lot of play to it. I think it's definitely a very, very fun deck. Mm-hmm. I've been enjoying it a lot. So, how do you feel about Oko as a card? Because I, I I hear a lot of conflicting things in that card, and I haven't played against it too much. Because again, I've been sort of on a, a little bit of a, a hiatus from Legacy lately. And so, how do you feel about that card playing against it and playing with it? So now that I've seen it a little bit more and having played with it a little bit more in the format, I actually feel like it's actually just fine. Mm-hmm. I think that Astrolabe enables it pretty easily, but also I'm not sure that Astrolabe is you know that bad either yep. now so i'm not convinced that it's that bad because it's not putting up like crazy amount of results it's not dominating the format right. 
Joe, you know. you're really ruining my pitchfork business. <laughs> <laughs> I, Oko himself, though, I'm not really upset with the card yeah. really at all. I think it's fine. It's pretty transgressive, but Legacy tends to be that format where transgressive stuff gets to live. Uh, and I mean, if we talk about cards like Brainstorm, Brainstorm's kind of transgressive. Hey, to an you extent. watch your dirty mouth. <laughs> uh, let's be realistic here. You know, the card that draw that that works with fetch lands is is pretty good. <laughs> so absolutely, yeah. Well, so yeah. So now you were also you've been known to play Nick Fit right in the past, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, and I still do on occasion. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, I tend to gravitate more towards the combo ish versions. Of that deck when I do play mm -hmm. it. Uh, I, I played the sneak attack version for forever and I played the scape shift version for forever. Mm -hmm. I've been testing off and on scape shift, uh, a newer version of the scape shift list, uh, utilizing that um, dryad of the Elysian Grove from Theros. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the prismatic omen creature. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that felt sweet. <laughs> it's felt pretty good when you're on six lands and you could scape shift them. Jeez. <laughs> so. Uh, it's just very scary, but it's also really good at fixing your mana. Mm -hmm. uh, and that deck also, I'm also playing around with like Field of the Dead netlist and stuff because that felt has felt pretty good. Uh, so I tend to gravitate towards those lists. Uh, the fairer lists for those are not really my thing, and I've found that the reason I like playing the the bug the Zenith pile is it kind of feels like what Bug Nick Fit should mm -hmm. be. And I've never had a good feeling about Bugnick Fate List because they just always tend to have be half of a good half of a ramp deck and half of a control deck, but they don't do both very well. Yep. <laughs> and so the the Zenith deck feels like where what that deck should be. Like it feels like okay, you've got Brainstorm, you've got Force of Will, uh -huh. you know, you have Mana Ramp, but it's you're not mana ramping into like big stupid stuff. You're managing them into impactful game-ending things like right. that, like Leovold and Oko and those kinds of cards that really, really put a pressure on the opponent. Uh, and I think what makes Bug Nick fit bad in that perspective, not bad per se, but mm -hmm. what makes it positioned awkwardly in that perspective, I should say, is that you have to dedicate those eight slots to Veteran Explorer and Cabal Therapy. Right. And that cuts into a ton of your decks building space right there. And so I've always been a kind of a fan of, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Uh, it's uh, Patrick Chapin's famous statement, the prime directive, uh, never play a worse version of something. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't and, know it was attributed to Patrick Chapin, but I've, yeah. I've definitely heard that through the years. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I feel that bug fit is right okay. now. It doesn't have a true identity anymore. Uh, and the problem with Nick Fit in general right now is all the decks that are capable of playing basics and Astrolabe mm -hmm. are just real bad against those. <laughs> so, so unless you're doing something like broken, like game ending, like killing them with like escape shift or something like that, or sneak attack, or just threatening them with you know those bug creatures like Oko and those sort of thing, mm -hmm. the 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 plain junk Nick Fit versions that used to exist just aren't there anymore. You know, it's just, they just don't seem to work anymore yeah. in the current metagame. Unfortunately, yeah. I miss that deck a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, Jerry, do we want to talk about the challenge at all? I know we, we I know you, you probably yeah. covered a little bit in your in your article, your upcoming article, but do we want to go over it real quick? Yeah, it just dropped today for us. It did, yeah. Yes. Let's let's go through so it. So the the, the, the new space. Yeah, the challenge they have on, on the uh 
MTG Legacy subreddit. Is this the how they finished as well, or is it is this like ranking after Swiss? Do we know? Uh, that would be how they finished. Okay. Uh, so um, if you look at actually go to the page, it will list them in order of finish. Oh, okay, I see. And it and it and it shows you the bracket at the top for the top eight. Gotcha. Okay. So we it looks like we had uh, Gagoggles taking it down in uh, first place yep. with Big Eldrazi. Yep. So this is the 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 Karn Ugin uh, running the uh, let's see four post four post uh, two Vesu. Yeah. So four Glimmer post four Cloud post two Vesuva. Uh, so it's like ten. Yeah, post. ten post deck. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to count them up. Um, yep. I noticed the uh, the Golos starting to see that turn up. Um, when I first saw that, I thought it was just going to, like, I first saw this in Cube, because it made it into the latest edition of uh, the Vintage Cube on Magic Online, so that's where I first kind of came across it, and apparently it's been doing some work in Vintage, and now we're starting to see it cross over yep. to Legacy. Jared, you want to read off that card? Because I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, Golos, Tireless Pilgrim. Is this a new card? This is a new card, right? Uh, it's from, from Core 2020. M20. Not, not super new, but it's fairly new. Uh, five mana for a three five uh, artifact creature uh, legendary also which is important uh, when Golos Tireless Pilgrim enters the battlefield you may search your library for a land card put that card onto the battlefield tap then shuffle your library so ramp the thing is it's any land mm. not just basics yes. ah. so that's that's huge for 12 post players uh, and then it has two white blue black red green exile the top three cards of your library you may Play them this turn without paying their mana costs. Ah. <laughs> Any deck running Emercools and Ulamogs, that's going to be pretty good. <laughs> and if you will look in the mana base of this deck, there is a Cascading Cataracts in the deck from Amonkhet. Oh, yeah. That has five tap, add then five mana and any combination of colors to your <laughs> mana pool. <laughs> and it's a, so oh, this deck. About this. this is our preview card, Pat, remember? What, what's yes. that? You don't remember Cascading Cataracts? Oh. <laughs> it was our Wizards preview card. Wait. It's finally seeing the play. We said it might one day see. Wait, was it's, it really? It's happening. It's Wait. finally happening. <laughs> Hold on, wait a second. I know we had a preview card. I don't remember being Cascading Cataracts. Yeah, because it, remember it's indestructible. We made a big point about it being indestructible. Yeah. Did we? I don't remember this. <laughs> that, wow. <laughs> See how much our time together means to you, Pat. Jerry, hold on. I need to know. Are you, are you messing with me? Because I feel like you're messing I'm, with me right now. I'm like, unless I'm having a fever dream, I'm 100% I know, sure. I know that we previewed. Um, uh, this is what this is our the one that we did with Kate and Aaron. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yo, you that remember, was, right? That was so long ago. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while. Wow. Congratulations, I'm a cat spent forever. <laughs> You're a more compassionate host than Pat. <laughs> Hurting my feelings. No, it's just, it's, you know what? The man, since I've had kids, the last eight years have been a fucking blur. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> blend together. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's a dream. Yeah. It's awful. So you, oh, welcome so yes, to my Pat, life. Our, our preview card is finally seeing play. <laughs> That's exciting, actually. Yeah. Oh, man. It's pretty cool because this deck can actually activate Golos. I know, right? It is hilarious. It's, it's super and cool. The thing is, he finds it. He can tutor yes. it. Like when he comes into play, yes. you search for a land, so you search for the one of Cascading Cataracts. I was I was honestly just surprised to not see a tabernacle on this list. <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah, uh, I know I know G goggles, uh, so I I know them uh, from Discord. 
uh, and they're a really great player, but I was just really surprised not to see a, a tabernacle because Golos getting a tabernacle is just absurd. <laughs> yeah. And Gol- I mean, Golos still has some pretty insane targets. So two Ugins, an Emrakul, the Promised End, an Ulamog, Ceaseless Hunger, uh, the two Worm Coil engines. Uh, you know, he can definitely hit some big, uh, big targets off that Golos. Now, you guys know why this deck is doing, these decks are doing so well right now, right? Uh, I'd like to know, because it's all I seem to play against online. Yeah. So, uh, Underworld Breach is a card. Oh, are these decks uh, just ridiculously ge- good against Breach decks? Yup. Super good. How? You imagine the deck that has oh, four Chalice of the Void. Yeah. I'm like, how? And plus, I'm like, oh, Trinisphere, Chalice of the Void. Chalice of the Void, <laughs> Dot Not Seer, yeah. Karn. Okay, I can see how Karn. this is just... Karn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true Karn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I yep. can see how these decks just shut down breach decks. Yep, they're really good against the breach decks, and so it's kind of a big overcorrection, overcorrection to beat breach. Uh, and even then, breach there was a breach deck still in this <laughs> top eight, but right. we'll get there. But uh, and the sideboard pretty much looks pretty common for most of these like Karn for Karn decks. So yeah. there's nothing really different in these the the sideboard of this deck that looks like it would be any different than most of the four card decks yeah true true awesome all right what do we got next black red reanimator wait i was hold on sorry one second when i just went moused over it when did this sorcerer's spyglass art come out uh ex uh throne of eldrain oh i didn't know they reprinted it in throne that's i really like that art yeah it's pretty good mm-hmm it's like a. It's I think like there's a, a mer- full art version of it too. Yeah, it's like a merfolk underneath the waves. It's like a periscope. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I really. That's really cool art. I'd never. I'd I never th- saw I, that. I think there's an extended art version of it. as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty wow. sure. So the collect, like the collectors, you know, version. Oh, Jerry needs it in foil now. <laughs> yeah, I don't run Sorcerer's yeah. Spyglass. If it was pithing needles, I would. <laughs> Maybe I should upgrade. Just man. It is totally in my wheelhouse to make piss poor deck building decisions <laughs> for aesthetic purposes. Yes, it is. <laughs> based on based on good looking art. Like, oh, I have definitely run like the wrong fetch lands because I had the, the fetch lands in uh expedition, so you know I gotta use those. <laughs> doesn't matter, it doesn't search for exactly the right colors. It's close enough. It's, <laughs> it's all about wow. priorities. I love it. I love it. Yep. It's all about style. Yes. Uh yeah, so um next up is Black Red Reanimator. Uh, was there anything interesting in this list? This looks like Sire of Insanity. Okay, yeah, we we see that on occasion, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's fallen in yeah. and out, but uh, I know I've I've heard rumblings from Eric that it's not like good right now. But I'm just surprised. I don't know. Black Red Reanimator is doing well considering all of the graveyard hate for Breach. Right That's now. what I said. <laughs> I was pretty impressed at that, but. He can never keep this deck down, it seems. It's always around to just say, hey, I exist. Yeah. yeah. Still here. Still here. <laughs> yep. Plus four Stronghold Gambit in the sideboard. Hell yeah. One of so, my favorite cards. Yep. Yep. Oh, nothing really other else special about the list, yeah. though. Coffin Purge, which is kind of neat. Yeah, the Coffin uh, Purge is a single black... Uh, Remove target card in the graveyard from the from the game and flashback it for a black. And flashback for black. Yeah, yep. that's kind of old tech though. Like that's been an yeah. tomb trick for a while. Uh, we got another Eldrazi post list. This is smaller though because it's not playing like it's playing more like the aggro route. Like so it's playing like Endbringer. Oh, it's bring, it's playing smaller Ugin too. 
Yes. And the, the ineffable instead, the of, ineffable. Uh, instead of the spirit dragon. Spirit dragon, yeah. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Have we seen Eldrazi aggro start to come back too? Like the like the, the old yep. school Eldrazi aggro? Okay. Yeah. They actually want a challenge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just to fight the breach decks. That's crazy. I know. So we had uh, Rich Shea played at the last LAL Open. He was playing the breach deck and we had him on camera for a round and... Um, he yep. was convinced that that deck is like broken and, and possibly like going to see a ban sometime in the near future. Do you feel the same way? I think the card is kind of yeah. dumb. Uh, I'm surprised that it exists, to be <laughs> honest with you. I don't know who who at Wizards said, let's make Yagmas well, but let's make it cheaper <laughs> and let's put it in red instead and then let's like, make it so it doesn't exile anything. <laughs> that seems like a great idea. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure because I'm not sure how the deck is really going to do. Yeah. Uh, it's either going to be banned out of the format because it's form worth the format so much that the format has to fight it in order to keep it from doing well. Right. Or, or the format's going to fight it and it's going to drop out of favor because it can't beat the hate. Hmm. So the card's interesting because it has, there it does fall apart to a lot of stuff, right. but it's can also like just win out of complete nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so... I don't know. It's really interesting. I have had a real interesting time following the progression of these decks in this mm -hmm. card. Yeah, it's been uh yeah, it's 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 a powerful card. I know when it got spoiled, uh that was a card that was on my list of cards. I'm like, I don't know where this fits, but it seems really good. Like it it seems it doesn't seem like it's a like a going to fit in the storm deck as we know it now, but obviously someone found a way to shape it around uh shape it around a bunch of uh zero man artifacts and well, the rest is history, I guess. Yep. In fact, there's a four, There's one in fourth yeah, there place. There we go. Look at that. It's like we planned it or something. Yep. 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 <laughs> so we have this. Is this the Jeskai version? It looks like. Yeah. Yes. And one thing that to note about this is that uh, if if you look at the progression of how this deck has evolved, uh, these decks started off uh, in the first couple weeks playing Thassa's mm -hmm. Oracle as the kill condition, and now they're not even doing that. Uh, they're just playing lightning bolt, <laughs> which is funny because that's what the win condition was before in the strict in the strict blue red versions. Yeah, well, that and also brain freeze decking, but lightning bolt is what you did if they were you're playing against like an Ember Cool deck. Yeah, or Veil of Summer, right? That or something like that. Yeah. So, but it also has like Teferi Time Raveler. We're starting to see that show up again. Uh, Savine's Reclamation is also showing up again. Uh, so that's, it's very interesting and also no actual silence, mm -hmm. uh, but instead, uh, Orem's chant, chant yep. <laughs> and silence in the sideboard, but main deck Orem's chant, man, all this deck uh, is missing now is Isochron Scepter. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Orem's chant, Isochron it's Scepter. Gonna, it's it's coming, deck. Jerry. It's coming. That deck made me rage quit magic. That's, for a week. that's when, that's when, you know, this deck has jumped <laughs> the shark when it goes Scepter, when yep. it's going Scepter chant, full, full out Scepter. Yep. yep. You know what was really cool about this list, though, uh, that I liked about it was if you look at the sideboard, there's a singleton copy of Lavinia Azorius Renegade. Oh, wow. And I imagine that card is just insane in the mirror. Yeah, so Lavinia Azorius <laughs> Renegade, white and a blue for 2-2. Two, two. Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So no, no escaping your lion's eye diamond for you. Yeah. Uh, oh man, the fact that that's not symmetrical is kind of gross. It it super is. Yeah. <laughs> there was a period of time where we thought that card was going to destroy vintage, 
uh, when it first got spoiled. Yeah. Uh, and then they printed War of the Spark, and none of it mattered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you thought so, that was broken. Check this yeah. out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was kind of kind of a neat tech for the like the mirror. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. So and like the typical setup of the sideboard, like monastery mentor to get around like graveyard heat and stuff. Just cast a mentor and cast a bunch of zero drop artifacts and trigger your mentors. Yeah. Seems pretty good. Seems really strong. <laughs> it's I've I've heard people and I've I've played the deck a little bit myself, uh, just to kind of get a feel for it and understand how it plays. And uh I've uh have heard people say it's akin to like playing feels like playing vintage Jeez. in the format. And it really does. It's kind of feels like you're playing Paradox Glaucom to an extent. So it's very vintagey feeling. Yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, I'm going to hold my thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What do we got next? Uh, next up is uh, this is the Oko deck. Rug, Rug, yeah, Rug Delver. Uh, yeah, Rug, Rug Delver. Rug Delver. Hold no, no, no. On, this is, this is Roko, Jerry. Don't. Come on. It's Roko. Honestly, it is. <laughs> like it, it kind of is, yeah. Like, it doesn't no. even resemble the right Rug Delver. Well. No, it it's doesn't. Still further and, it's getting further and further away from the Rug Delver decks of old. No Tarmogoyfs. Man, if you looked me in the eye and said in 2020 Rug Delver would not be running Tarmogoyfs, I would call you crazy. Mm-hmm. But, but Dreadhorde Arcanist. So yeah, that card's just absurd, man. Remember when yeah. Tarmogoyf was like a two hundred dollar card? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> Tarmogoyf yes. was one of the reasons I never got into modern because I'm like I can't afford this card. This is stupid. <laughs> I felt well. I remember back in like the early days, uh, Rug Delver was just tearing up my local meta, and I just felt like I could never win because I didn't own Tarmogoyfs. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they just don't matter. Look at you now, Jerry. <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> Look at me now. Yeah, there there isn't much. I mean, it's it's a pretty straightforward setup. Uh, four force of will, two force of negation, four days. You know, bolts, pierces, vapor snag is mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, you know, hooting mandrels, sure. Uh, Oko is just a strong magic card in general. So there's not much to that yeah. here. Um, so. Uh, even the sideboard is pretty basic as far as a lot of the stuff going on. So, well, this is a counterbalance in the sideboard. Kind of wild that Rug Delver uh, <laughs> is playing. That's actually something we've seen out of Rug Delver before, though. Like Rug Delver has run counterbalance in the sideboard, but it's usually for the mirror match, and I can't imagine he's expecting too much of the mirror match in this meta, <laughs> or just Del- Delver. In it's general. just cra- yeah, it's crazy to me that Rug Delver's that playing a three mana card that's not Trini Nemesis. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's a yeah. that's also a planeswalker. Yeah, like I always remember back in the day, like people who were generally newer to deck construction were like, "Oh, Rug Delver is a blue deck. Why doesn't it run Jace? Right. Jace is a great blue card." And you'd have to explain tempo and how planeswalkers aren't usually great tempo. But nope, just screw it. Here we go. <laughs> no, it's it's just about committing to the you board. Just now. Say, yeah, you say Yoko and it's, just go it's for it. Go out of all. <laughs> yep. I mean, resolving that card does feel very good. I'm gonna tell, I'm not gonna lie. Like, it does feel very good to resolve that card, especially when you're like, resolve that card and make this a three three attack. Like, cool, Crazy. you know. So it's pretty dumb. Crazy. <laughs> uh, let's see. The sixth place list is uh, Esper. Oh Hate yeah, look at this. The JTL zero zero five. Yeah, special. this is cool. Yeah, yeah. This deck's been. He, he's this guy. Pretty this person, I should say. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, he, he they play this deck 
pretty consistently, and they've done very well with it. Charming uh, Prince. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. There, there's we some need to go down this deck list real quick. Peacekeeper. Peacekeeper. <laughs> the apparent. Okay. So apparently, from what I understand, the Peacekeeper is actually just insane. I'm pretty sure I've played against this deck on online, but I didn't see the Peacekeeper or like the other stuff. But the, uh, at some point, there was uh, a singleton tithe in this deck. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I remember that I remembered it very clearly because their their setup was they had three swords to plowshares in the main <laughs> deck, one in the sideboard and a singleton tithe in the main deck. And I thought, what was the decision <laughs> that led you to say, I don't want to play four copies of swords to plowshares? Yo, it's that it, but, uh, it's that tilt move. You know, games two and appara- three are a lot easier to win when your opponent's tilting out. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, tithe tithe is actually really good from what I've heard. Like I've 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 heard that tithe is actually pretty. Yeah, excellent, because so. when you cast tithe, you're casting it for value, and when you cast yep. tithe for value, you're just absolutely destroying your <laughs> opponent's life. You yep. you watch yep. the life leave for their <laughs> yeah, eyes, yeah, figuratively and literally. <laughs> <laughs> like like if but I, I mean this is yeah this is just an aether vial born brainstorm force will deck and. <laughs> It's something. It's it's very amusing, but it's cool that it's it exists. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty. Sick. This is yeah. So uh, I just want to run down this list real quick because this is kind of wild. Four baleful strikes, a brazen borrower, charming prince, flicker wisp, three giver of runes, four meddling mage, one palace jailer, one peacekeeper, which is a card from Weatherlight, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, a plague engineer, yep. four recruit of the guard, tools, two soul herder. That's crazy. Two pon- two ponder the pretty much gets everything. Two ponder. Yep. Jeez. What a time to be alive, guys. <laughs> it, it's certainly a time. There's an Emrakul to Aeon's Torn in the sideboard. Oh my God, I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, just cuz. Just cuz, man. Oh my goodness. I mean, you got to beat them breach decks. Wow. Two wasteland in the sideboard, uh, too. It, yeah. I don't, I don't understand it, but apparently the wasteland's got to be for like very much. It's got to be for like the Eldrazi matchup, right? Probably that, and like Delver's back to being somewhat popular. So um, there's one wasteland in the main deck, so it puts them up to three uh, post board. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe this is just a this is a deck that they've worked very hard on. Clearly, uh, so not not decrying their their accomplishment here. I don't know that you know other people could pick this up just as well as this person plays. No, of this course, deck it's like it's like it's like Chase Hansen's as well. you know, Strifeful Pile. Yes, like Strifeful you know, Pile. Yeah, yeah. That deck is very hard to play if you're not right, Chase Hansen. Right. Yeah, like don't uh, bother. Uh, so. Oh, also, forgive me. Would did you say were they running Tithe or Mana Tithe? Tithe. Oh, uh, okay. That changes things for some reason. When tithe. I heard. I heard in my head, <laughs> mana tithe. Then I'm like, yeah, getting no, no, no. getting mana no, no. tithe is a terrible feeling. <laughs> no, no, no. A- actual tithe. Actual tithe. Was, okay. Was a it was a card that was was in this. It's like it, tithe. Uh, tithe is like the instant speed land tax, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Get gets a planes or some sort. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I I can't say much more that I, I I think it's a cool deck. I think they're I'm glad for them for doing as well as they've done with it. Uh, they've definitely shown that they can do well with it. That's awesome. So <laughs> how many people like you're playing against? They see you go like turn one giver of runes, turn two meddling mage, and they're just like, what the hell? Turn three peacekeeper. <laughs> uh, oh, and and then just casually have right, a force right. roll. You know, 
Jeez. Yeah, but I don't think people are expecting no. that. Like, you're just like, oh, I'll just pitch this medley <laughs> mage to Force of Will. You know? And then Soul Herder, that card's just yeah. insane. <laughs> that card's just absurd. And then if you really look at it, like, this is really, there's a reason why there's a lot of, like, the four ups in this deck are things like Recruiter of the Guard and, like, Meddling Mage and, like, Baleful Strix. Well, Baleful Strix draws mm-hmm. you cards. It's a blue card for Force of Will. Uh, Meddling Mage is a blue card for Force of Will. Uh, so that's another point in its favor for being a four of uh but recruiter of the guard gets literally every other creature in the stack uh and so that's really really important like it even gets you uh brazen borrower right which is silly like you can just get like oh just go violin this uh recruiter they're gonna get a brazen borrower and bounce your thing good gravy that's dumb <laughs> so yeah it's definitely a recruiter of the guard deck for sure uh, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't really understand the Emrakul on the sideboard, but maybe there's a good reason for it. You know, I don't know. <laughs> the 3-4 syndication in the sideboard is also cool, but but it's like, I'm guessing that's probably for combo mm-hmm. matchups where they want to just like go shift into like a hard control route and just blow up their opponent's plans with hard yeah. control. Huh. That is That is interesting. I don't think you'll see a lot of that list running around unless it's this specific pilot but like you said it's yeah i I think i've only ever seen jtl being the one that actually plays it but definitely interesting uh seventh place yeah seventh place is uh i aggro yeah yep with some new cards right uh clothis clothis god of destiny yeah clothis which is the one one red green for a four or five indestructible, um, it needs devotion to seven. And let's see what it says at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase: exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a land card, add red or green. Otherwise, you gain two life and Clothis deals two damage to each opponent. I've played with this card a little bit uh, in Enchantress, mm-hmm. and it's pretty neat. It's yeah, pretty it neat. sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uro is the card, though. That card's just absolutely yes. absurd. Yeah, this is another card during... Uh, I think we talked about this when we when we uh, were going over the set review, Jerry. The thing yeah. that it had, like, that, that, the effect it has when it escapes or when it when it's cast is pretty powerful. Yeah, I, I totally didn't consider that with this card when I did my set review of this card for this set. Uh, I just did... I thought, yeah, it looks cool. It's big, and it's kind of a silly mythic. It might see play, and then I saw people starting to play it, and I was like, okay, maybe this is good. And then I actually got mm-hmm. to play with it. And now I'm like, yeah, this card's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's really, really absurd. The ge- the value it just generates, it, it's a growth spiral that, that gains mm-hmm. you life, uh, and then, you know, also turns into a 6-6 six, six yep. late game that, that does that every time it attacks. Seems pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, what's cool and interesting to note is that, you know, this is kind of five color loam, not, you know, not more like four color, you know, the deck's kind of mm-hmm. shifted to that now. Uh, but, uh, no Liliana. Right. It's interesting. Sad day. Sad day, Liliana. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. I said, we were having a discussion earlier, one of the discords I was in and somebody was asking about Liliana, the veil's place in the format. And I said, well, loam isn't playing it. So there's a problem. <laughs> and, uh, I do, I think that Liliana is kind of hard to play right now. It's just uh, all of the all the planeswalkers have just gotten outclassed. Like, yeah, Liliana was already on the way out because Liliana, the last hope, was already kind of edging in on its territory, 
and then Oko just became the three drop planeswalker of choice. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so powerful. It does a lot of different stuff, you know. So I can see why. Uh, there is the cool. <laughs> I'm looking at the sideboard of this deck, and there is a Chandra Awakened Inferno in the sideboard. Just cool. <laughs> but there's also a Kunaros Hound of Athreos in the sideboard as well. Just kind of neat as well. Is that Chandra the one it's from the, like the uh, dual deck or whatever the intro deck? No, 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 no. That's the uh, that's the six mana one from uh, Core okay. Twenty Twenty, <laughs> the the mythic one that that can't be countered and has three very that's dumb what, loyalty yeah, okay. abilities. It's the one that just ends the game because it, it's like I'm just gonna keep stacking up the emblem, and because the emblem is a plus two uh, loyalty yep. ability, good luck killing this. Uh, first of all, but then it can also nag three and deal damage, deals damage to each three damage to each non-elemental mm-hmm. creature, and then you can also nag exit and deal damage to a creature or a planeswalker, and if it would die this turn, uh, exile it instead, <laughs> which is really really strong. But it, but she can't be countered. Right. That's the that's the really yeah. really important thing about this card is that you can't counter it. Um, Kunaros, yeah, Kunaros is the the graft diggers graft doggos cage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, creature cards in graveyards can't enter the lab battlefield. Players can't cast spells from graveyards, and it has vigilance, men- menacing, lifelink for three mana, and it's a three-three. Yep, it's yeah. a card. It's cool. I think it's neat. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I, I've seen it and show up in a couple of the loan lists, and I'm like, oh, looks cool. I haven't played with it personally, so I don't really know. Yeah, graph digger on a stick, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, it just means you don't have to play right. Grafter's Cage. <laughs> it's a, it's a Grafter's Cage that can attack. I feel like turn three yeah. seems kind of slow, but mm. yeah, I don't know. Well, it also they means also you have could four like, Leyline of the Void. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, you're gonna your and Tabernacle. Yeah. Like a lot of the the decks that are big graveyard decks, like Hogak and Dredge and stuff like that, have a real problem with counting right. Tabernacle. So. Hmm. Oh, eighth place is the spice list. That deck, this deck is yeah, cool. What is this? <laughs> so this is a Thassa's Oracle combo deck. Okay, uh, and the, yeah. So you know, Thassa's Oracle says, you know, hey, it, uh, it's titled you know, it, Oracle's Paradigm. Is the name? Doesn't don't they play this deck in uh, in Pioneer? Uh, this is way different though. Okay. So the the this deck funk this deck is a Thassa's Oracle combo deck, uh, in the basis that it wants to cast cards like Thoughtlash. And Paradigm Shift. Uh, Paradigm Shift is a two mana sorcery. You exile all cards in your library from the all cards in your library, and you shuffle your graveyard into your library. Uh, so what you do is you cast that, and you cast Das's Oracle, and then you basically just win the game. Hmm. Uh, or um, you Thoughtlash, and you exile all the cards in your grave in your library to prevent one damage to yourself, <laughs> and then cast Das's Oracle, and win the game. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, there's also a Jace Wilder of Mysteries in this deck because Jace Wilder of Mysteries, you know, draw a card. You know, you would if you would draw a card with an empty library, you win the game instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the fourth Thassa's Oracle, yeah, is basically what this deck wants to do. Interesting. Um, there's a deck that's similar to this in Vintage uh, that's been popping up, floating around. Uh, one of the big Vintage guys, uh, Matt Murray, uh, kind of pioneered it a little bit. Uh, that uses uh, the restricted copy of Demonic Consultation mm-hmm. with Thassa's Oracle. So you cast Thassa's Oracle, and then in response to the trigger, you cast Demonic Consultation, and you name a card that's not in your library. Oh. And then you just exile your whole library, and then Thassa's Oracle trigger resolves, and you win the game. 
So, so it's a similar kind of deck. Uh, it's playing like Thoughtseize and, and various cantrips, mm-hmm. Brainstorm, Flusterstorm, Force of Will, Thoughtseize, Relic of Progenitus to exile its own uh, graveyard in response to like Paradigm Shift, mm-hmm. so that you could go, uh, so that you could end up with just one card in your library. So that still puts you in a position where if they do remove your Oracle, you do not win the game. <laughs> right. But it's easy to get around. Huh. So interesting. It's a cool deck. I've played against it on uh, uh, somebody playing a version of it on Moto that was mono blue mm-hmm. uh, without like the thought season stuff, and it still felt really dumb. <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> any other any other spice in the rest of like the top sixteen? Let's see. Some more Eldrazi. Black. A lot of Black Order Animator, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. A ton uh, of it. Uh, yeah. Um. Grixis, well, not Grixis, uh, Thomas Mars, four color, playing Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, uh, Death and Taxes, which looks like Death and Taxes, mm-hmm. uh, good old JPA 93, the yep. 15th, <laughs> playing the same, same sneak and show deck. Wait, is this the one, the list he posted? Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, he's, <laughs> so I just want to point out, so he's running sneak and show. Uh, but his sideboard is super interesting. Where he's... Oh. <laughs> Have you seen the sideboard? <laughs> there, there are three Dreadhorde Arcanists in the sideboard. Three That's... Dreadhorde Arcanists, three Lightning Bolt in the sideboard. Going Get on for the old sneaky transformational sideboard. It's... Plus a Pyroblast. That's great. Yep. It's been something I've That's tried beautiful. a lot in Sneak and Show. Like I've tried various different alternate win conditions in the sideboard. because you know, Cough, cough, Monastery Mentor. Which worked wonders. <laughs> Until they banned Sensei's Divining Top. If, if Sensei's Divining Top was still legal, I'd probably still be running Monastery Mentor and Sneak and Chase. And you'd today. still be losing the Miracles. Are you kidding me? I beat Rich Shea <laughs> in the finals. <laughs> I had a lot Esper, of success in that deck. Esper Delverblade in 16. 16th. Yeah, Esper Delverblade with Brazen Borrower. Uh, Brazen Borrower. I don't think I've seen any Vendillion clicks since Brazen Borrower was printed. No true name nemesis. Yeah, no true it feels names very either. odd. Yeah. Usually you'll see those in those uh, Stone Forge Mystic type yep. decks. Yeah, because they yep. hold yeah. uh, equipment really well. <laughs> very, yeah. very well. Yeah. I actually am playing uh, two Vendelian Click in the sideboard of my bug deck because uh, it's been really good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Death Shadow. Oh, little Death Shadow action. Yeah. Arc for in playing Death Shadow. So Arc 4N not playing Dredge is kind of amusing. Yep. But that I think Arc 4N only brings out Dredge for when like he's playing in like actual like giant premiere events mm-hmm. so that he always tops eight with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it always seems to be the case that Arc 4N top eights with Dredge in like a premiere event. Uh they're just that good at the deck though. So I haven't seen Hogak in a top in a in a while. Yeah. Uh, seems to be on the yeah. on the uh on the downswing. Well you would think, think all the graveyard of... hates keeping Hogak down, but it's surprising that Reanimator's still able to fight through it. Well, I mean a lot of the Reanimator's players are also playing like Stronghold Gambit and... Yeah, so maybe that's why. Yeah. And Reverent Silence is also just like really dumb against like your ley lines and stuff like Real. that. Yeah. Um and I don't see another Loam deck playing Uro, another but and also not playing Liliana, but for Oko in that one. Kunaros on the sideboard. Yep. A uh, lot of there were a fair number of there were like at least five or six Jeskai Underworld Breach decks in this 
top 32 of this challenge. So I know that I know when I did my math, there was like 20 copies of uh, Underworld Breach in the top 32 of the mm-hmm. challenge. So it's someone I try to keep track of in the article series. I try to keep, kind of count which new cards show up and how many there were uh, just to kind of get an idea. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, there was, there was about 20 of those uh, overall because there was, yeah, that would be five. Yeah. Five mm-hmm. deck lists playing it. So it seems like it's reasonably popular. Yeah. Uh, and it's still showing up despite in, you know, these challenges, despite all the, you know, hate against it. But at the same time, it's doing well enough, but not doing well enough. Because everybody's trying to hate it, hate it out. True. So, yeah, it is uh, interesting, like, such a busted deck, but it's still being forced down to the middle of the pack. Right. I, I'm sure that, I mean, it does have its bad matchups. Uh, it's just that the deck just has the ability to just go off out of nowhere and just win out of nowhere. Right. Uh, and it's not really, like, I, I, you'll hear people, like, call it, like, a storm deck or whatnot or, or you know, something like that. And it really isn't a storm deck. Uh, it's a lot more like sneak and show, uh, so it's kind of like an A plus B plus C combo deck, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't really because you think of like Storm, like Ant, Tess, those are more like engine combo decks. They do, you know, they have a specific, you know, they don't have a specific set of cards that they need to see in a matchup, you know, in order to win a game. They can assemble, you know, based on a just a typical game plan you know, of playing the cards that are in their deck. Uh, whereas like A plus B plus C combo decks, you know, they have to have a specific number A plus B equals C, you know, setup. Uh, in this case, you know, you need underworld breach, mm-hmm. you know, you need, you know, a, a, a mana accelerant of some sort, and you need a way to fill your graveyard up, uh, either through like, uh, the decks that we're playing in grinding station and then lightning tutor to, um, you know, just brain freeze, uh, yourself and then, you know, win, you know, later on with something else. Uh, so you just you need more you need you need specific pieces mm-hmm. uh, and I think if you can attack those specific pieces uh, then it helps a lot uh, but the deck is really resilient and it can fight through a lot of hate uh, I found mm-hmm. uh, I played th- I played against one online in, just in the practice room uh, on moto and uh, my opponent I my game three against them they they beat my opening hand ley line. They beat a hard cast ley line. They beat my Trinisphere. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Just they uh they no served you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So the funny thing about that game was though that I actually ended up winning the game, uh, and it was all down to and this is again, we talk about sequencing all the time in Legacy, and how sequencing can just sometimes get you. Yep. And uh, so what they did was they actually missequenced on their combo turn. Uh, they had wear teared my Trinosphere and my uh, Leyline the turn before, and I had a Scavenging Ooze in play. And they went on three lands, they went like Lotus Petal, and then they cast Breach, or not Breach, uh, Brain Freeze targeting themselves. And then they went to go cast Breach. Well, this is the third spell, I had a Mind Break Trap in hand. Oh! So I tried, <laughs> so I, so I tried to trap them. They packed a negation, my Mind Break Trap, but I'm thinking, okay, well, I, maybe I'm dead, what do I do here? Uh, maybe I just eat the Lotus Petal with my Scavenging Ooze and see what happens. Sure enough, if they had sequenced that turn a lot differently, I would have lost because the Lotus Petal was their only mayor artifact mana they were relying on. Big goof. Uh, and, yeah. Big goof. <laughs> and so, 
we we the person and I talked about it because uh, they were they were started asking me questions about how they could have played it differently, and I think they what they should have done is they should have went pedal breach, uh, then crack pedal replay pedal cast brain freeze, and then I wouldn't have had an opportunity to win because they would have hit so much more artifact mana. Right mm. at that point, it would have been impossible for me to eat enough brain freezes because they ended up milling like three brain freezes. Yeah, I can see so. It. Even even eating two of them wouldn't have been enough. Uh, so, yeah, the deck's super resilient. That's the only the only thing the problem I think I have with it is that it's it does a lot of stuff, but it it, it does it completely out of nowhere sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, you can be top decking in that deck and just top deck a win out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Uh, and, when I was playing the deck, so I was I was playing when it first came out. I was playing the blue red version with young pyromancers, and I would just like end up winning by just being in top deck mode and I would have a young pyromancer out. I would top deck a uh, breach and I would just cast breach and just cast like five things from my graveyard. And that would give me enough tokens to just win the game on that. Yeah. Yeah. Super insane. So cool. Hmm. Awesome. Well, that's through the top 16 of the challenge. Um, was there anything else you guys wanted to point out before we moved on to, to scoops and poops? I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into some scoops and poops, Jerry. Scoops. Jerry, who are you scooping into top eight this week? I am going to scoop in uh, all the people uh, who actually reached out to me after listening to Dan Holland's episode last week, mm -hmm. who apparently a bunch of our listeners have access to high powered uh, computer servers. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so we had a few people volunteer to kind of help Dan out with his experiment. So I just wanted to thank all of you guys. Uh, it's definitely appreciate I passed your info on to Dan, uh, so maybe he can uh, make something of it. Be... I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually, you know, what? I'm gonna interrupt you. And I'm gonna poop on all those same people who offered their services because <laughs> you are just bringing the robot apocalypse one day closer to happening. <laughs> Will you please <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop encouraging nerds like Dan? It's terrible for our Earth. <laughs> We're gonna die. <laughs> I think you're overestimating the power. <laughs> I don't think I am. I don't think I am. Uh, any poops, Jerry? Uh, this insane work schedule. I'm gonna be so glad when it's over. I've still been playing. Yeah, you are. I can tell you're burnt out, man. It's 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 shocking. Yeah, and I'm also trying to prepare for the Missouri 20k at the same time. So, and by that I mean like when I can't see straight looking at textbooks anymore, I'll try and play a few games online. And I've been getting some reps in. I think I have my list figured out. But uh, nice. Yeah, sleep when you're dead. Sleep when you're dead. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, how about you, Joe? Uh, who do you want to scoop in at top eight this week? Uh, just I, I want to scoop in the person that uh, helped me with my entry for the forty k. Uh, I was I I had put out a tweet about a week before that saying, "Hey, I would like to go to this. I don't know if I'm going to have the money for it. Uh, do you think anybody could help me out?" And somebody reached out oh. and was really really lovely person. Awesome, and was able to help me out so that I could make it to this event. That's sick, man. Uh, so, uh, but also just the people that are reading the column. Uh, I've gotten I get loads of great comments every week, uh, and I especially love other content creators, uh, people like Callum, uh, who has been utterly supportive of my work uh, since I started. Uh, James from Cardboard Live. Uh, has been also utterly supportive of my work since I started doing the mm -hmm. legacy column. James is good people. Uh, he's absolutely a, a fantastic person. Uh, and uh, also uh, Min and Max from the Min Max blog. Uh, those guys are just fantastic. Uh, I know I'm about an hour away from Min, 
uh, where Min lives. And so I get to see him somewhat fairly often. I, I get to hang out with him a little bit at Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy. And mm-hmm. he's just a fantastic person, and I love both of them. So um, I don't really have any poops this week. So That's I good. Just, I, Keep it I, positive. I'm an, I, I like that. I'm, I, I mean, I've had a, I've had a pretty rough a uh, couple weeks mm-hmm. uh, and I, I have some things I could definitely poop on but I'm choosing not to because it's not not fun to talk about yeah yeah so but we're just gonna try and, and take it one day at a time and just be as positive as we can absolutely yeah no I I, I I am fully behind that for sure um all right well I got I got my scoops this week is gonna be the the TV show on Amazon called hunters Jerry have you seen this you probably haven't seen it but <laughs> I have not I have not. It's it's Pat, honestly so. any. Are you taking advertisement money on the table without telling me? <laughs> Listen, Jerry, I got two kids. They eat a lot of food. All right. <laughs> all right tell me about tell me about hunters and how much Amazon right, so, Prime is paying you. <laughs> Listen, any <laughs> any movie or show that's about killing Nazi war criminals, I'm like oh, all about. I've seen I've seen the trailer for this. Yeah, yeah it's 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 pretty. I mean, the, the isn't first it, episode... isn't it just Munich the TV show? Uh no, it's it's like um it's like imagine if Inglorious Bastards was just like a bunch of uh aging Jewish people that were hunting Nazis in America. That's basically what it is. Okay, like, so like senior yeah. senior citizens beating them. Yeah, pr- kind of, yeah. It's 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 pretty fantastic. The um the it, it reminds me of like a Tarantino kind of uh, kind of film in the way that it's styled. Uh the you know, Al Pacino's fantastic in it. Oh, um, Al Pacino's in it? <laughs> Yeah, Al Pacino's in it. Josh Radner's in it. Josh Radner's rocking like six sideburns and a mustache. See Amazon. See wow. how convincing I can sound. I can get this money too. <laughs> um, but no, it, I, I'm it, sold just on Al Pacino. Yeah, it's wow. it's it's pretty it's pretty great. The first the first scene, they, you know how like so one thing I think a lot of shows are trying to do right now is when you when you watch the first episode of any show, especially lately ones that are serialized on like these streaming services. I feel like they try to hook you. Like they try to hook you real hard in the first before they even run the first credits. It's like the cold open of every show. And this one has an extremely extremely uh, visceral cold open. Um so uh so I would just say, you know, be prepared for that. But uh so far we my wife and I are two episodes into it, or maybe three episodes into it and we're we're enjoying it thoroughly. So, uh highly recommend that series. It's been it's been good to watch. Uh yeah, it's 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 heavy material. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can always get behind killing Nazis. So it's, it's good. Um, also just want to shout out the legacy pit. Uh, they, they recently, uh, streamed, teamed up with, I want to say Dice City Games over the weekend. Um, Dice City Games. Yeah. To run their, uh, they, they were helping broadcast their, uh, revised, like, uh, I'm sorry, revised legacy open series. I believe it's called, uh, that's just off the top of my head. I hope I'm not misquoting that, but, um, Travis, who's a friend of ours, he's traveled up for, uh, for an LAL before, uh, but Travis Parsley from uh, the Legacy Pit is is a buddy of ours, and uh, he's taking his uh, considerable streaming uh, network on the road with him, and is doing obviously some other other events. So just wanted to give them a shout out. Um, I tried to stop in the stream for a few minutes when I had time uh, this weekend, and it seemed like it was going really well. So just shout out to those guys. I I and, and also to you, Joe. Like I can't thank people enough who um, are. Doing, you know, taking time out of their life and uh, producing legacy content for the rest of us. I think it's, I think it's very important to keep the format alive. I think things like, I think, I think things like that, streaming and writing articles and doing podcasts, all that stuff is what keeps the format alive. It's, it's, it's hard enough that you don't have these huge events where you can, you know, draw a lot of people or keep a lot of people interested, you know, uh, throughout the years because it's, it's tough sometimes to justify holding on to some of these expensive cardboard if there's not a GP coming around 
every six months. Um, but you know, the fact that so many people are creating content, keeping people involved, um, you know, doing like these kind of rogue, uh, you know, smaller legacy series, like the Buffalo chicken dip series, which is, I think the best titled one for, for what it's worth. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, uh, that, like I said, Dice City games had, had their, had their events and, uh, you know, we, we're doing the LAL opens and, and with with Gaming Etc., who's been backing us on that, which has been huge. Um, just like it's just been a really great thing to see the community kind of taking uh, control of its of its uh, of its uh, kind of Destiny. future here. Yeah, exactly. And also, and also, <laughs> I just and you know, and not to forget like someone like Jeremy Aronson, who's been doing the the tournaments down in Missouri, like these, these massive like you know the twenty k, the forty k tournament that's like. All the prize monies, all the entry fees are going right into the prize pool. It just, it's just super awesome, and I can't thank everyone enough for doing stuff like that because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it means a lot to see so many people behind the format putting, uh, putting so much effort into it. It's, it's fantastic. Thank you. Absolutely, I really appreciate that. Absolutely, yeah. And no, I'm, I'm so very glad, uh, very glad that you, you, you know, that you took over the this week in legacy. I think it's, I, I really think it's an invaluable service to the uh, community. So I hope, I hope that, uh, I hope that you're getting a lot of good feedback on it i am actually good. yeah yeah the, the people have been very good yeah. awesome awesome all right well in, in 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 uh in your tradition i'm not gonna have any any poops this week uh I'm, I'm hoping everyone has a great week um so joe if someone wants to get a hold of you uh where can they find you you're on you're on twitter uh i know you're on facebook and tell them tell them where they can find your legacy uh this week in legacy series articles uh so you can find this week in legacy on mtg goldfish uh typically that goes up every wednesday uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can also find the vintage articles, uh, vintage one hundred and one, uh, on MTG Goldfish every Friday mm-hmm. uh, is when that goes up. Uh, I'm also on Twitter uh, at VolrathXP, uh, and I'm on Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, I use Facebook mainly for the groups that I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, like the LAL group and like the vintage groups and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't typically use it a lot for normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but I use Twitter quite a bit. Uh, so definitely if you want to reach out, I, I don't mind people, you know, slide into my DMS, just to say hi. <laughs> I don't, I really don't. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the people that have approached me and have talked to me, uh, especially if you're an event coordinator mm-hmm. of some sort, uh, reach out. Uh, I know I worked with you guys on the yes. LAL yep. open, uh, it's, I enjoy working with people. Uh, if you provide me data, I will do my best to give it a good spin and give it a good coverage as best as I can. Uh, I like to see more people doing that. Uh, big shout out to Ryan Freeberger, who I'm going to shout out in my article this week for that same uh, event that revised open nice uh, at Dice City Games. Uh, he was instrumental in making sure I had everything today, uh, to be able to finish my article and be able to cover that event. Awesome. So awesome. That's yeah, that's fantastic. And, and I'm also on discord. Uh, if, uh, a lot of people, uh, know me on the MTG legacy, uh, which is the, uh, subreddit, it's uh, discord, uh, that discord I'm on pretty consistently. Uh, and those people on there, I've known, they've known me since I've been on there playing Nick fit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I also admin to Discord servers. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so I actually run the um, the Dredge uh, Discord, mm-hmm. uh, and I also run the NickFit Discord. Uh, so you can reach me on there as well. Awesome! All right, great. That's great, man. Thank you so much for coming on. It was great to have you this week. 
It was great being on. I love coming on and doing this kind of stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right. Awesome. Well, uh, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, all the stuff that we do. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at LALMTG. You can find Jerry at JME3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy. If you want to support the show directly, which is a huge help, um, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Of course, find us on Hipsters of the Coast. Uh, you can join the Facebook group and you can email us, uh, leaving a legacy at hipsters of the coast.com. And I want to shout out Justin Lutz. Um, he's our audio tech, he's our sound engineer. Uh, you know, we all we do is send him audio files every week and he figures out how to make us sound really good and, uh, we really appreciate it. But also, like, in these trying times, you know, I, I didn't do a good job this year of, of getting my, my my tax stuff in order and having everything ready. And Justin was nice enough to, to file my taxes for me. He actually is not, like, a CPA at all and has no tax experience. But he actually got me a pretty a pretty great refund of $0.17. Cents, and I just want to thank him for that. For all his hard work he put in, I really, really appreciate it. So my kids, my kids are going to have an extra egg in their ramen tomorrow night just because of him. So yeah. thank you so much, Justin. And, I really appreciate it. I want to help Justin for helping me hide that body. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. Awesome. All right. Thanks everyone for, for hanging out. Joe, again, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to have you. Um, We, you know, we're definitely going to have you on again soon. Uh, And uh, yeah, we'll catch you all guys next week. Bye. Later. Bye.